You're listening to episode 108 of The STEM Space. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Christina Ohl. She has created a really exciting STEM activity about earthquakes that she will be sharing more about. Christina Ohl is a science teacher who strives to develop lessons that are engaging for all learners. She is taught as an outdoor educator and in many STEM roles from grades three through eight and currently teaches middle school science. Improving access to quality STEM educational resources to positively impact the lives of all students is her passion. She lives in Arlington, Massachusetts with her fiance and her rescue dog, Finley. Let's hear more from Christina. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Christina, I'm so glad you're on. Welcome to the STEM Space Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So we're getting to know you a little bit. Could you tell us a little bit about who you are and what your background is in STEM education? Sure. So I'm a middle school science teacher currently teaching sixth and seventh grade science. And I always like to tell my students that I was not a science person as a kid, but I discovered my love for science after being exposed to some really great science teachers in high school and college. So That combined with an interest in outdoor education and experiential learning led me to becoming a science teacher. And I have taught as a STEM teacher, an outdoor educator, and also as an elementary school teacher since then. So So you've done a little bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything. I, I feel like I talk to a lot of people who say that they're not a science person. And I feel like, or I always tell them, you just haven't had the right science teacher. You've probably had teachers your whole life who've been coaches or somebody who also was not a quote unquote science person. But if you really get into what science really is, it's so much fun. And I am so glad that somebody was able to influence you in that way so you could continue to influence other kids to hopefully become science people in the future too. So what is a, explain an outdoor educator. What is that? Uh, it's when, in my case, it was a lot of school groups would come to me and it was teaching experiential learning in an outdoor space. So not necessarily traditional education where you're in a classroom teaching a group of kids, but you are, um, teaching kids in an outdoor setting a lot of times to augment what they're learning in the classroom, but, um, not as their main curriculum. That is really cool. I love that. So you have actually created something recently for us that I'm so excited about, and that was an earthquake STEM lesson. So I have only gotten to see it, but I've not actually seen it done in the classroom. And this is something that you've done before with your students, correct? Yes. So first, tell me a little bit about what inspired you to do this earthquake STEM lesson. Yeah, so I did this project first, uh, I think it was about two years ago with a group of sixth graders. And I have to give some credit to the Smithsonian STMS for initially inspiring the project um, because the earthquake STEM lesson that I've created now is adapted from their curriculum. Um, But I wanted to take a step further and 
um, really ground the project in reality by addressing the recent Syria-Turkey earthquakes. Mm -hmm. So I thought this was a great opportunity for students to learn some science concepts and engineering skills while also tackling a real world problem that's based on current events. Um, and, you know, I added STEM career connections to it and a lot of other additions to what it originally was when I first did it. Awesome. And I love how you should always tie things to the real world because that's how students will really be able to grasp why it's important. So could you walk us a little bit through how this lesson works? What What's it all about? Yeah, so at a high level, the steps of the lesson generally include um, introducing students to the problem. Um, and namely, as I mentioned, the problem is the recent earthquakes in Syria and Turkey that resulted in the destruction of so many buildings and homes. Um, and then students observe images and videos of simulated earthquakes, and they learn some background knowledge of what causes earthquakes. And then they move to doing an initial design of an earthquake resistant structure, and the materials they're using are only spaghetti and marshmallows. Um, and they learn about the science behind engineering earthquake resistant structures, and then they get a chance to rebuild their designs and complete a final test on a shake table. Oh, that is really cool. So you said spaghetti and marshmallows, and I know with my students, it is super hard to actually get to the building because they eat all the supplies. How do you prevent your kids from eating all of the marshmallows? It's always a battle, and I always have to tell the kids, we are in a science lab. And <laughs> one of the things you promise is you cannot eat the materials. It is not safe. <laughs> the materials are dirty and gross. Don't eat them. But sometimes kids sneak it anyways. <laughs> Even like the junior hires, I feel like they are the, the worst. They always eat the marshmallows. Yeah. yeah they um, don't care about the germs. So how do you, in any lesson, but specifically for this one, how do you keep the students engaged and motivated? I, I found keeping the students engaged with this project pretty easy because it's so hands-on. Um, and then having the project be connected to current events and watching videos to get more design ideas um, is also a really big piece that keeps students engaged when they hit roadblocks. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it's really engaging and kids always love this project when I've done it. Yeah, it sounds like it. Now you mentioned they hit roadblocks blocks. So what is it that your students struggle with the most with this challenge? I think that they struggle a little bit with the group work piece, um, learning to communicate with each other and making sure everyone's ideas are heard. It's really difficult. And I've done this with sixth graders now twice. And especially for that age level, I think a lot of them have really great ideas and they're excited to start building. But the group piece and the communication piece is always the biggest challenge. And then also, you know, running into things where you build something that you think is going to work and then it doesn't and having to rethink what your next step should be can sometimes be challenging. Yeah, that failure thing is, is a big deal. And that's something that I always hope happens so that I can help kids go move through that because that's one of the biggest takeaways I feel like students should have after going through any kind of STEM program is learning how to how to fail, how to move past it. So how do you help your students when they're struggling in their groups, the whole teamwork thing, and then pushing through failure? Um, with the teamwork piece, I think I really try to make sure that kids each have their ideas heard. So one of the things that I've tried is having them each make a design sketch separately and then going around the table and sharing their ideas and saying, okay, well, let's talk about 
the elements that we liked from each of these and how we could combine this into one idea um, so that everybody's heard and one kid doesn't just take control. Um, yes. And in terms of the failure piece, I think that's sort of built into this whole project. The fact that they try it once, they learn a little bit more, and then they have a chance to try again um, helps sort of structure that and make it part of the process. Like this is this is normal for everybody and it's not always going to work out the first time. In fact, it would be probably not the best design if it worked out the first time. That's so true. And I'm sure they get equally as excited for it to work as they do for it to fail in this, in this challenge. And so with this one, you built a shaker table to actually test. Tell me about how you did that. Yeah. So I used a plastic bin with C clamps, springs and O-rings, and then there's a central platform made of fiberboard. Um, and the springs attached to the platform and to the edges of the plastic bin using those C clamps. And the platform moves back and forth when you pull on a string to simulate the earthquake. Um, and I, there's a video included in the project that describes this process um, because there are a few steps for setting it up, but it's not as complicated as you think. And it is really fun for the kids to be able to use something that feels like a real shake table. Yeah, and do they get to control like the magnitude of the earthquake? Uh, they do, They um, there's an index card that is sort of just attached on the outside of the plastic bin. And when they pull the string, they can pull it to the different magnitudes mm. that they've marked on the index card. So the further out you pull, the more the magnitude earthquake it simulates. That's really cool. I bet that is something that they'll remember for a long time. And some kids end up trying to replicate it at home. Is that something that would be easy to do at home too? I think you'd probably have to design a different shake table, but you definitely could replicate a version of something at home. That's really cool. So what are the primary learning outcomes of this challenge? So the primary learning outcomes for the project are that students learn to work within constraints to solve a problem and that they can apply what they learn about earthquake resistant technologies to their building design. Um, and there's a focus on evaluating design solutions through data collection and iteration, along with lab skills like designing a data table and a systematic way of testing your design. Yeah, this is a really great introduction kind of to the whole perspective of how you do science and engineering together, because it's not just just applying some science, like you're really doing science that's done in the real world, and then also doing the engineering part that's also simulating what is done in the real world to prepare for something pretty disastrous, and that happens uh, more often than we think and that our students are used to. I know where I live in Texas, we don't really have a concept of Earth quakes and the damage because we're not anywhere near a fault line. So being able to wrap our kids' heads around things that are happening in other places around the world and real problems that maybe they hadn't even thought of needing a solution to because it doesn't happen in our area. But that's really neat that you can bring that into any classroom. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have for teachers who are looking to implement this activity? My advice is to resist the temptations to give kids hints or to tell them what to do. Uh, it's so much more powerful if you learn or if they learn from their own design choices and adjust along the way. Um, and, and also secondarily, don't let them skip over the reflection. Leave time to really reflect on what you've learned as a class when the project is over. 
that's hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to yeah. not help your kids and it's hard to remember to reflect. And I have had where students have a hard time getting started with reflections. Is there something that you do to help them get started in thinking that way or being able to speak about what actually happened? I mean, I think reflection questions are always a really great way to guide their reflection, which I've included um, in the project. Um, but I think, yeah, just having that discussion where you go through the reflection questions with a partner as a class, I think can also lead to deeper conversations. Awesome. So aside from this really exciting activity that I cannot wait to do with my own students, are there any other projects that you're doing or plan to do with your own class? Yeah, um, my eighth graders are doing a model UN project about climate change right now um, and how it's affecting countries differently around the world. Um, and that's been really fun because that's a collaboration project with their history class. Um, so we found a way to have some crossover there. Um, and I'm hoping to do a project with my sixth graders centered around conservation and land stewardship at the end of the year and still looking into what that will look like, but I'm excited about it. That's really neat. And I love that you're collaborating with other teachers. Is that something that you instigated? Sort of shared. Yeah. We were talking about what each of us was planning for the end of the year and saw that there was a connection there. So. That's really awesome. Well, uh, we'll definitely have to have you back so that I can hear more about these exciting projects. But Christina, thank you so much for joining us. And let me know if you uh, have any other things that you could come back and talk about for STEM education. We're always excited to hear about some awesome projects that you're doing to connect students to the real world of engineering and science. Thank you so much, Christina. We'll talk to you thank again you. later. Do you have a question about STEM education or how to teach it? Email us at info at vivifystem.com. We would love to help and maybe even discuss it on a future podcast episode.